Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. With your host, Philip Randazzo. And we are live. What's going on? Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. This is your host, Philip Randazzo, and it is Monday, which as most of you active listeners know, this is the day where we we release an exclusive interview with a high-achieving person who is going to shed a ton of insight into ways that you can get more productive, share some stories that you can learn from so that you don't have to go through the same obstacles, All this stuff and, of course, much, much more. I'm going to keep today's intro short because the interview pretty much speaks for itself. It is an absolute fantastic interview. I had such fun putting it together. I had such fun during the interview, and I'm really excited to share this with you guys today. And the interview is with Juan Doe. And let me get into Juan's bio real quick. So, Juan Doe is a student success coach, author, and competitor in NBC's hit show, American Ninja Warrior, so you know he must be a beast. Recognized as the best youth mentor by the International Examiner, Juan travels across North America speaking at colleges, high schools, and student leadership conferences where he shares practical advice that helps students to succeed in and out of school. Juan's engaging style and ability to share important life lessons in a way that resonates with his audiences has earned him the Verizon Wireless Motivator Award. So (laughs) in short, as you can see, we're dealing with a high-level dude. And let me tell you, um, I learned a ton through my conversation with Juan. He's got some incredible stories that he's going to share, some of which, I mean, getting onto American Ninja Warrior and what that process was like and he actually had a major setback, but still was able to go through with it and qualify. It's a fantastic story. You guys are going to hear that exclusively here on the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast, along with his story, you know, growing up um, and really overcoming obstacles to become the motivator that he is. He worked with Tony Robbins. I mean, he is that guy. I'm super pumped to bring you guys this interview. So let's just get right into it. Without further ado, here is my interview with Mr. Juan Doe. Enjoy. Today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Fuel 101. Now, guys, if you're looking for a book that's going to help give you a framework to succeed, to reach your goals, to accomplish those things you've always wanted to accomplish, to take that leap of faith, maybe get you out of your comfort zone a little bit, you know, you might be a person that isn't quite sold on personal development books, self help books, maybe you're a young person who doesn't feel like the books relate to you, you could be any age. Rocket Fuel 101 is a six-step process that's going to propel you towards your goals and stop you from drifting through life. This is one of those books that's going to provide you with a framework. This six-step process is going to help you figure out your passions, pick a trajectory, you know, launch your mission, go ahead, set those goals, go 100% at it. You're going to bring people along with you. You're going to find a mastermind network. There's so many things that this book is going to give you. You do not want to miss out on getting a copy for yourself. And in sponsoring the show, Rocket Fuel 101 is going to give you 15% off any and all purchases of books, whether it be the hard copy or ebook. All you have to do 
is go to the Rocket Fuel 101 numbers, Rocket Fuel 101 book.com. Again, that's the Rocket Fuel 101 book.com. And when you're at the checkout, type in the promo code podcast. That's promo code podcast. You are going to receive 15% off your purchase. And this is something, it's not a one time deal. You will get this no matter how many purchases you make. All right, so here's what I want you guys to do in this order. Go to therocketfuel101book.com. Get yourself, your friends, your family, whoever you want, get them a copy of the book, enter promo code podcast, and start reading. You guys don't want to miss out on this. All right, hello, Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. This is your host, Philip Randazzo. And we have another special exclusive interview for you today, and that is with Mr. Juan Doe. Juan, how's it going? Doing outstanding. Fantastic. I'm glad we got you on the show. I'm super excited to dive in today. Awesome. Me too. All right. Great. So, Juan, you have a very interesting story and, and one that I believe all of our listeners are going are gonna to learn a ton from. And so, if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving us the the bullet point story of how you got to, uh, to be Juan Doe of today. Yeah. My, uh, my story began with my family. We uh, came over from the Vietnam war. My dad, he fought as a pilot with the United States. And after the war was over, he was in re-education camp for four years wow. until my mom helped him to break out and escape to the United States. And growing up here, we didn't have a lot of money. So when I grew up, my main thing was to be successful so I can take care of my parents. Uh, in, in high school, I was involved in extracurricular activities, and by attending a leadership conference, I heard a speaker that not only impacted my life, but a couple hundred other students as well. And in that moment, I realized that I had a passion for helping people, and if I were to speak, I can help a lot more people than I could just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So as a junior in high school, I figured out this was my calling. This was my path. That I was going to make a contribution to this world. Uh, when I graduated, I got accepted to go to Pepperdine University down in Malibu, California, where I met a couple different mentors that really shaped the trajectory of my life. So as a student, I struggled in school and I always thought to myself, why aren't there classes to help you deal with the challenges that you're facing right now? Like, how do you make sure you can get a great job by the time you graduate? Or how do you deal with the, the stresses of being a student and how do you balance your academic life with your social life? So rather than complaining and being a victim of life, I decided to take responsibility. So if I wasn't learning this in school, I would be reading different books that would teach me about investing. Or I'd sneak up to the graduate school pretending I was an MBA student to listen to keynote speakers. That's awesome. And yeah, so while in college, I got introduced to different things. And one of the people I got introduced to was Tony Robbins and his work. And I got immersed into that, and I went to a Tony Robbins seminar during my junior year in college, changed directed my life. And when I graduated, I worked as a corporate trainer and speaker for Tony Robbins for a year and a half. And then in 2008, I realized I want to take this information, real-life advice, and share in a way that young people can relate to from a young person. So in 2008, I wrote my book titled Succeeding in the Real World, What School Won't Teach You. And since 2008 till now, I've been speaking about 100 to 120 days throughout the year at colleges, high schools, and conferences, sharing practical advice that helps students to succeed in school and in life. 
Well, that's that is fantastic, and uh, I can say from from doing some research on you and all that you've done. I mean, you are making a major impact in a lot of ways. So thank you for all that you're doing. And I want to I want to kind of start at the beginning. So you know, coming over from Vietnam, and you know, you 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 probably had a different upbringing than a lot of people. And so when you saw this speaker when you were a junior in high school, what was it about this speaker that that really spoke to you? Yeah, the the big thing that really stood out to me was growing up, my family members and friends weren't involved in extracurricular activities like this. You know, growing up as a being Vietnamese and growing up Asian American, a lot of things with Asian culture is to do well academically, and that's the sole focus. All the extracurricular activities was extra, and it was important to me to be involved in this. And it was the first time I ever saw this experience of someone impacting someone's life uh, in a way of speaking, in a way of mentoring a large large crowd, because it's something I was never familiar with. So that immediately stood out to me, uh, in addition to the way that I felt because of his inspiring words. Yeah, and that's uh, very similar to an experience that I've had. It's, it's, It's awesome to see someone speaking from a platform like that. And, you know, really... I, you know, hitting with people on a one-to-one basis, because that's one of the things that, that I always thought about speaking was like, okay, you know, you're talking to a large audience and, you know, you're, you're generally speaking about certain concepts and people aren't really going to get it. But the first time it really clicked with me was actually when I went to a Tony Robbins, uh, Unleash the Power Within conference. And I mean, man, it's like he is literally speaking directly to you. And so I think that's a, a great platform to do that. And so, you know, at what point, um, into your college career or afterwards, did you did you have your first speaking gig? Yeah, my first speaking engagement was actually my freshman year of college. And after I met that individual my junior in high school, I reached out to him and expressed my gratitude and he became a mentor. And his advice was you gotta practice speaking. So my freshman year, I immediately went back to my high school and spoke at a couple of different classes. Oh, that's fantastic. And so what, what was that experience like for you? I mean, what, did you have a major jitters or were you super uh, ready to go for it? What what was that like? Yeah, my uh, first experience speaking when I had this idea of wanting to become a speaker was uh, I was terrified. <laughs> I was sweating. I was so nervous. And I, I felt like the students could see that I was nervous. So I think someone felt bad for me as well. So it was the, not the most enjoyable experience. Yeah, but, but and well... I, what I love about that story is that, you know, a lot of people, and, and from my experience, a lot of young people, they try something once and, you know, it's something that they really aspire to do, but they don't have a great, you know, first experience with it. And then they tend to to give up. And, and the only reason I'm speaking on this is because this is a, a something that I've experienced in my own life. It's, you know, I, I've wanted to go certain directions and I take the leap and it doesn't go the way I envision it. And then all of a sudden I'm totally turned off. And so, you know, if there's a listener out there who wants to take a leap into something or maybe has already and their first experience was just a terrible experience and they have no desire to get back get back on the horse per se, what would you say to that person uh, just to kind of motivate them to, to keep going if it is something that they really aspire to do? Yeah, you make a really great point, Philip, where I agree with you completely where, you know, it's always tough that first time, but there's a, a saying that I heard where every master was once a disaster, <laughs> meaning anything that you were are good at right now. At first, you weren't the best at, and that's like any skill that you learn. Whether you're talking about school, where 
you know, if you're taking a foreign language, you go to Spanish 101 or French 101 or Korean 101, then you go to 201. It's always a progression. So with anything in life, you know, you're not going to be the best at first. It's uh, it's not realistic to think about it. I know I, I just became a, a godfather and uncle and to expect my two-month-year-old nephew to start walking and running now is not fair. He has learned how to crawl first, and then he walks, then he can run. So it's the same thing with life is just realize it's just natural where at first it's not going to be the easiest thing, but if you know why it's important to you, you will find a way to be committed, and you'll slowly progress and get better. Yeah, I I, I love that analogy of the, you know, your your nephew and how, you know, you have to progress. And I think that's something that once I realized that it makes it a whole lot easier and going into it with, with kind of an objective learning mindset, like, you know what, I'm going to go do this. Probably not going to be very good. It's my first time, but what can I take from this experience to help me on my future endeavors in this area? And that's something that I've done with this podcast and something that I, that I've come to love to do. And so, you know, after that first, that first gig at your old high school, um, did it get progressively easier? Did you review the tapes and, and you know, figure out what you were doing and, and how you could change it? Or what, what did that process look like for you? Yeah, for me, uh, it was a progression. And at first, after I got done speaking and I was down on myself, I realized, you know, if I really want to make a difference, I have to find a way to practice consistently and to get better. So one of the organizations I joined uh, early in college was Toastmasters. And it's a really well-known organization, international, where it brings together people who have the common goal of becoming more effective and confident communicators. So I joined a Toastmasters group, and then everything on my college campus, I found an opportunity. If I could speak, I'd practice speaking. I'd read books on public speaking so that I could get better. Yeah, and and that's actually a great segue. So when we spoke a couple of weeks ago in preparation for this, you had Talk to me about your uh, your mentors that that you had met or people that you met early on in college. And one of those people actually handed you a book that that you said was pretty instrumental to helping you figure out kind of this path for you. What was that book? Yeah, one of the books that really um, impacted me was uh, "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill, and that really helped me to to really see about the what was necessary that wasn't taught in school to succeed. In regards to public speaking, a book that really impacted my life was How to Develop Self-Confidence Through Public Speaking by Dale Carnegie. That's awesome. Yeah, that's actually something that I need to look at because I'm uh, I'm currently in the public speaking arena and I'm very young at it. And so I'm, I'm looking for ways to develop my my craft because it isn't I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but there's so many things to learn and there's so many different angles. And so, uh, thank you for sharing that. And, and so, you know, you go to this Tony Robbins, uh, conference, which I've been to one, they're absolutely crazy energy. The people are nuts. Everyone's jumping around, dancing, acting absolutely insane. And after that, you actually ended up working for Tony Robbins. Is that correct? That is correct. And and so how, how did that come about? I'm, you know, I'm, I've got to. I've got to believe that after these conferences, there's a lot of people that have the desire to, to you know, connect and impact on a level that Tony Robbins does. And so I can't believe it's an easy feat to, to get to work for Tony Robbins. So how tell us the story about how you went about getting that job and, and what you did differently than the rest of the people who are probably looking to work for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
A couple of things. Uh, the first and foremost, this is an analogy I use of a GPS, meaning I was very specific in my goal and wanting not only to work for Tony Robbins, but the specific job title or capacity I'd be working with Tony Robbins as a trainer and speaker. I think oftentimes a lot of people have vague goals like, hey, I want get to get a great job. I want to make a lot of money. But think about that metaphor of a GPS. If we were going to say, let's meet up at a Starbucks in this big city, for example, Seattle, where I live, and I tell you just to throw it into your GPS, if you type in Seattle Starbucks, how many locations are going to pop up, a little or a lot? Yeah, quite a few. <laughs> yeah, and that's the same mistake people make with their goals. It's very vague. So for me, I had a very specific goal of wanting to work for Tony Robbins as a speaker. So that was the, the first thing that really supported me is I knew exactly what I wanted within the Tony Robbins companies. Number two, what supported me is this idea of making genuine connections. You know, when I speak, you know, I ask people, there's a popular saying, if you know it, help me finish it. And I say, success is not always about what you know. And then people say, well, it's about who you know. And I say, that's false because don't get me wrong, relationships are crucial to your success, but just because you know someone doesn't mean they're going to help you. I mean, for example, is think about how many friends you have on Snapchat or Facebook or followers on Instagram or Twitter. Mm -hmm. Of those people, how many would be willing to lend you some money if you're going through a difficult time? Jeez, you I, see? I, yeah, I can't imagine there's very many. <laughs> yeah, and for me, it's, it's stop networking and learn how to start connecting. There's a huge difference. You know, networking is you can go to a conference meeting. Hey, how's it going? What's your name? Where are you from? Quite frankly, you can learn that from Facebook stalking somebody. You know, connecting is taking the time to understand someone where, oh, that's what you want to do. Well, why is that important to you? That's your goal. Well, what would it mean to you to achieve this goal? Networking is knowing someone. Connecting is taking time to understand them. So when I went to this conference, I connected with different members of Tony Robbins' company, learning about their story, taking notes after I meet them, getting their card. I write notes so when I follow up, it's not just saying nice to meet you, but saying, hey, you know, I just appreciate so much your pearls of wisdom and what you shared about me. And I was so inspired about your story and how you got to doing what you do now. I enjoyed learning about your family about your story so that it was more personalized. So when I made these connections with people, they realized that I was more than just a random person, but they remembered me because of the intention I had to connect with them as a person. So what happened is I attended this conference. I met at least 20 plus people in different capacities of Tony Robbins companies so that when I applied to work as a speaker, I actually had a handful of people doing what I wanted to do endorse me. So when they sent in my information, they said, hey, we recommend Juan. That gave me the option where they called me and said, hey, we're willing to give you a try, a shot at doing this. But here's the key is that here's 30 pages you have to memorize. And I got this after I graduated from college. I had about a week to memorize this and to audition. And what happened, they said, was you come down, you do this presentation for us. You pay your way here. If you get hired, we'll reimburse you everything back. But if you don't, then you had a solid opportunity and training with the Tony Robbins company. Wow, that that is uh, quite the uh, the story, and that's quite the uh, the pressure cooker. I mean, to go down and have basically one shot to you know get this this quote unquote dream job with Tony Robbins. So how? I mean, obviously you had to be nervous, but how did you channel that to to ultimately come out on top and and have this job? 
Yeah, the the key I think that supported me is um, intense focus on preparation. Where you know I'm from Seattle, Washington. I'm a big Seahawks fan, and uh, Russell Wilson, our quarterback, he says yeah. that um, separation is in the preparation. And I made sure that I prepared myself going over the script, practicing in front of family members and friends so that I was best prepared for this opportunity. Uh, number two is that I was very confident in myself for the fact that you know, I really believe that life is about gaining real-world experience. I believe it's important to get book knowledge and to understand, but real-world experience makes a difference. And the analogy I'm going to use it to is getting your driver's license. I mean, think about, Philip, when you got your driver's license, how many tests did you have to take? Yeah, I, I mean, are you talking like written tests or – you yeah, take a I, written test and also a what test? Yeah, a driving test. Yeah, so let me ask, if you ace your written but fail your driving, do you get your license? No, no, sir. No, and, and I believe it's the same thing with life where, you know, with speaking-wise for me is I realize, you know, I can, I can get a degree in speech communication, but if I was nervous in public, it would not help. So I realized, in addition to learning my own about speaking, I had to actually practice. So before I had this actual interview, I actually practiced at schools, at companies, so that I had different experiences where if something went wrong, I'd know what to expect. So I came in with a lot of confidence. I realized that my age was actually my benefit because they probably had a certain expectation of this 21-year-old coming to the company. But because I had experience coming in, I was very confident coming into this opportunity. So the biggest thing was, in addition to preparation, having confidence, lastly was just being humble, where if I made a mistake, I just would listen to their advice, their coaching, take it in, and show eagerness to want to improve and to show them that I could do better. Yeah, I, I love that quote from from Russell Wilson. The separation uh, is in the preparation. I think that's so, so true. And there's a lot of people who you know, kind of wing these things and, you know, they don't put as much preparation time as they should and it shows through and then they wonder, well, oh, how come I didn't get the job or how come I, you know, didn't get this girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, I mean, there's a lot that goes into these things that we, that we need to actually practice. And one of the things that I learned playing college basketball is that really the game is just a, a direct reflection of how well you practice. And when you put in the time on the practice court, it translates onto the game court. And I think that's a fantastic example. And so working for Tony Robbins, what was the one or two biggest takeaways that you got from that experience? Yeah, I'd say the the biggest takeaway I'd say that I learned um, from that experience, two things. Number one was the ability to truly influence somebody and by that i mean oftentimes people who think like speaking like i'm influence somebody but influence the definition i learned through working with this tony robbins was getting someone to take action mm. and oftentimes speakers get confused like oh, i'm speaking I'm, I'm i'm influence someone but oftentimes a lot of people don't realize you can say something but if they don't do anything about it afterwards you share life-changing advice don't do anything you're not really influencing them in that definition. So in work for Tony Robbins, oftentimes I'd speak to people who were at least 10 years or not twice my age or not older than me by three times. 
And at first people would see me and they have a certain impression of me is who's this young guy mm-hmm. and work for Tony Robbins. It taught me really quickly on how to connect with someone, but get them to take action. Whereas specifically my role with Tony Robbins, one of the mo- most important roles I had was speak to a company, do some training. And after an hour of speaking was to influence them to say, here's a couple thousand dollars. We don't want to see Tony Robbins. So Tony Robbins work with the company helped me to really understand the idea of influence. And number two is how to, to read people so you can connect with them on their level. And I'll give you an example where there's a, there's a powerful book called The Five Love Languages. And it's a great book for relationships and also for friendships. But the premise is that all the times when we express our gratitude or love someone, we don't speak their language. You know, example is my mom, she, um, she's an amazing woman. I'm very close to her. I still call her my mommy. I see her all the time. <laughs> and she's the type of person where when she shows love, she, she does it through her actions, through her acts of service, whether it's making meals, folding clothes, that type of thing. And for me, my love language is words of encouragement. Hence, that's why I do what I do. But oftentimes I go travel, I speak, I talk about my mom, I do all these things. And when I see my mom, I said, mom, I talk about you all the time. I love you so much. And then she, she'd smile and say, well, if you'd love then you'd help to wash the dishes and support me with that. Or you'd help. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, it is a great book. And, and it's totally true is, you know, you have to connect with someone on their level. Otherwise you're not actually getting through to them. So I mean, there's literally no better preparation for the career or the field that you're in right now than having done that. And so how did all that translate into you, you know, being a full-time speaker and and going to these colleges and high schools and corporations and and to these events and delivering at the level that you're doing? I mean, how soon afterwards are you, you know, doing this on a full-time basis? Is it immediately afterwards? And, um, And what does that look like for you? Yeah, definitely. So after I left the Tony Robbins companies, uh, it took me a while to transition. It took me about a year or so because I was writing my book. And I remember it's taking me so long to write it until I made the decision of like, you know what? I need to finish this. So I announced that I'm going to have my book launch on this date. We rented an auditorium and that inspired me to actually finish the book, The Power of Accountability. And after we finished the book, it was leading into 2008, 2009 time is when the book launch happened. And it took me about a year and a half to really get going because I was learning. Because even though I worked for Tony Robbins, learning how to become a speaker in the college market and different markets was very different from what I was doing. So it took a learning curve. And I think what some people don't realize is I call it there's a sexy side of stuff and there's a non-sexy side of stuff where oftentimes people see the sexy side of what I do, whether it's traveling, speaking in front of large crowds, making connections with certain people, but they didn't see all the hardship where when I was ramping up, I worked multiple different jobs where I worked part-time as a leadership person for an organization called DECA. I worked doing door-to-door sales for Comcast, selling cable. I used to deliver phone books. I mean, I had a lot of different odd jobs to make ends meet until I actually start sticking and start progressing to make this a full-time gig. 
Yeah, and that and that's so true. You know, people do see the glamorous, sexy side of things, and they say, "I want to do that." And then the second they hop into it and realize that it it isn't all what they they thought it was. It you know, it very slowly kind of kind of weeds out the people who aren't serious and and leaves people like you who are really committed to this to to rise and be the cream of the crop. And so, what was the what was the first speaking engagement that you had that you were paid to do? And who was it to, and 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 what was that like? Yeah, I think the, the if I remember correctly, the first paid engagement I had was actually back at my alma mater at Pepperdine University, speaking at a career week event. And what had happened with that was they had getting ready for a huge career week, career fair, and all that, and they're looking for a speaker. I believe Son had referred me back to the contact person, and they had hired me. They had bought case of books to give out for the first X amount of students to attend. And for me, I was really nervous because one, it was my alma mater, but two is they, they made it a very big deal where, you know, after the event, they had food. So the students would stick afterwards. They had a place for me to autograph books. They even had the president of the university to come introduce me. Wow. So yeah, they put a, they did have made a very big deal. And I feel very grateful for the opportunity of them have give me the opportunity to come and, and to give back in that way. So it was definitely nerve wracking for me, but uh, it, it was an amazing experience that helped me to kind of start things off. Yeah. And, and what was, uh, what was your message? What was your message early on when you first started speaking? Yeah, my, my message was actually on my book, succeeding in the real world, what school won't teach you. And I, I shared the importance of why are there so many students struggling in the real world rather than thriving. And I pretty much shared different chapters in my book, sharing different pieces of advice that will help students know what to expect, but also what they could do do now to prepare for life after graduation. Gotcha. So in your opinion, what is the, what if schools could do one thing differently that would have the biggest impact on its students, what, what do you think that one thing would be? That's a great question. I think the the one thing that schools can support is facilitating um, connections with mentors more often. It's about the idea of relationships where the, I think the non-tangibles that academics doesn't teach us or help us with is when you're going through a tough time, you need that person there to support you, to give you advice, to believe in you when you stop believing in yourself. And I believe it's so much focused on go to class, get good grades, go to class, get your degree. Mm-hmm. And it's the relationship piece that makes a difference. I mean, when I think back at Pepperdine, I had the most unbelievable experience. And when I look back from studying abroad to Florence, Italy, to doing service work into like the inner cities of Detroit or an orphanage in Dominican Republic, all those conferences, all that happened because of the relationships in my life and those memories I think back on of the people in my life. And that single-handedly was the biggest difference and helped me where I am today is the people that invested in me, that supported me throughout my years. Yeah, man, I think that is such sage advice. I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I think mentorship has been the one most critical thing in my life. And I think if, if the schools just help students find mentors or teach them you know, the process that that's like, I think it really would make a major, major impact. And so I want to kind of take a, a side street here and, and talk about American Ninja Warrior. And so for, for the listeners out there, Juan competed in American Ninja Warrior. And so tell us about that experience. How, where did you get the idea to compete? And, and I mean, what was the training like? What was the event like? I'm super interested in this. 
Yeah, it was actually by accident. What happened <laughs> is uh, all throughout my life, I've been involved in athletics from playing basketball to being a wrestler to running marathons, triathlons. And for me, I just like staying active in shape and challenging myself. And it was one day after CrossFit at my cousin's gym and I was climbing his peg wall and he took a picture of me doing it and he posted it on social media saying, Juan Doe in the peg wall, hashtag American Ninja Warrior. And when I saw it, I said, yeah, why not? So I literally just Googled American Ninja Warrior. I found out what it was the audition process and we auditioned for the show. Um, they selected me to be on. And once they selected me, I, I knew I had to train intensely. So I switched gears where, in addition to going to CrossFit, I had to find a gym that had Ninja War obstacles on it. So I found a gym nearby. I was training there on different obstacles on the show. And competing on the show was unreal. You know, it's interesting where. A couple months before that, at the end of the year previous, where I made a decision, I said, you know what, I want to be on Nash TV. I don't know how it would look like, but I'm going to be on Nash TV. And once I got accepted, that was my opportunity to be on NBC during prime time. And I was excited for the opportunity. I prepared for it. But a week before, I was training, and I was jumping on trampoline to practice because they have those on the show. And I landed awkwardly, and I snapped my ankle. And oh, all I could no. think of myself was like, this is the worst timing ever. How did this possibly happen? I got so upset at myself. But in that moment, I realized I got hurt. I can't change that fact. And in life, if you focus on things you can't control, you're always going to be frustrated. The key is focusing on what you can control. In that situation, I already got hurt. What I can control now is I can find out, do what I need to do so I can still compete. So my friend told me to go to the chiropractor, we did cool laser therapy, acupuncture, physical therapy, you name it, three hours a day leading up to the competition because I couldn't walk being a week out. But eventually I was able to walk again, I was able to jog, I was about 50% and we competed uh, on the show at the end of the week. And it was interesting because people don't realize is they film at very late at night. For example, for me, I ran the course roughly around 1.30, 2 a.m. in the morning. Oh, wow. And yeah, so it's definitely an amazing experience. Um, initially, I got disqualified because my shorts hit the water. But what was amazing was that the next day, about four or five hours later, when I got home, I got a call early in the morning and they said, hey, Juan, you left too early. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, the fact is that not everyone made it finish the course. So we take the top 30 who made it the farthest and now all the people, you're number 30. Oh, and I thought to myself, got to be kidding me. And he says, are you still here? I said, yes. He said, well, come back tonight because you're going to compete in the city finals. Went back to the city finals, uh, made it farther than I did before. Unfortunately, I slipped on the peg wall, but I was just happy that I was able to have that second chance and that I made it farther than I did given my circumstances of my ankle. And so for me, I was proud of the experience where one thing I learned is in life, you got to do your best and forget the rest. And that's why I did. I left everything on the line. And what was amazing was that I was proud I made that far. And then also um, uniquely were that we found out because I made to the city finals, that part was aired on national television. So my goal that I had set at the beginning of the year previously of being national television it came to fruition within the next seven months. So it was a very cool experience and we're training right now to compete again on Ninja Warriors. So everything's going smoothly. I'll make sure I avoid trampolines. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, that is awesome. I mean, it, it, your, you, your life has a very common theme and it's like, 
you know, things happen and they don't go exactly according to planned. And most people would, would typically just give up or say, wow, look at my luck. Of course that would happen to me, but you just continue to bounce back. I, I mean, that's, that is the biggest lesson learned for, for you listeners out there. It's like things happen and, you know, a week out from this competition, your ankle goes, I mean, that would stop almost anybody from even trying to continue on. But you did what you had to do. You made it happen, and you hit your goal of being on national television just a couple weeks after potentially not even going on the show because of this injury. I think that's absolutely incredible. And so let's let's kind of get back on on course here. So um, this is just from for me, just being curious. What is uh, or what what's the your favorite place that you've ever spoken at, or your your favorite event speech that you've ever given? Yeah, that's a really great question. I'm trying to think of all the different places. And I say the one that stands out to me um, very vividly is I'd spoken at uh, the Virgin Islands to all the educators and teachers for their union. And I remember I was invited in and unfortunately down in the Virgin Islands, um, the teachers and paraeducators, those involved in school system, have not had a salary increase, I believe, within the last eight years. Their salary has stayed the same. In addition to that, they have horrible working conditions. We're talking about we have buildings that are collapsing. It's so hot where the teachers have to change clothes multiple times throughout the day. They have buildings that are corroding. They have books that are damaged. They have some places with rodents. They've had schools that have closed down and combined schools. It's not the ideal working environment to help children learn. And I remember they asked me to come in to inspire everyone part of the school system. And what was interesting is right before I go on stage, um, the president speaks for about 15, 20 minutes saying all the things that the local government were not providing them. So she was getting all amped up in a negative way. Oh boy. So we're starting off on a bad foot and I was thinking, Oh man. And what was hilarious to me is I sit there in the front crowd, I'm listening. Everyone's all booing and like yelling. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, this is a hostile crowd. And it's funny cause there's a lady behind me. She's like, Oh my gosh, this poor young man up here has to speak next. I feel so bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> and I look, I turn around and I just smile. And I said, it's going to be okay. That's my job. So I get asked to come on stage. There's about, I think, probably five, six hundred teachers, educators, staff members from all across the islands. And I initially come up and I acknowledge them for their passion, for their energy, because in life, I believe things happen when you're extremely passionate or when you're upset. When you're in between, when you're indifferent, there's no motivation to change. So I acknowledge him and said, you know, I love this passion because passion creates change. And I want to acknowledge you for this. So when I got on stage right away, I acknowledged them for their energy. And then I segued into what I was talking about. And, you know, big piece of when I share, it's about life and your attitude. And a lot of times people give this horrible advice is that the keys to have a positive attitude. Quite frankly, I think that's the worst advice ever. Why? Because number one, it's easier said than done. I mean, I'm sure you probably had one of those weeks where anything that could go wrong goes wrong. Oh, yeah. And I believe that one of the worst things is someone comes up to you like, hey, you know what, Philip? It's going to be okay. 
You just need to have a positive attitude. And you're like, for real? Thank you, Captain Obvious, right? Yeah. And I think the bigger challenge, though, is in addition to being easier said and done, is that too many people think they have to have like a great attitude. You have to be positive all the time because otherwise people will frown upon you. And the big mistake with that is that a lot of people will put on a front. I mean, they will put on a mask and they pretend that everything's okay in life when things aren't. I'll give you an example where one of my best friends from college is our senior year. He comes in a room and I know there's something wrong. Why? Boom! Door slammed shut. He walks in the room. He's huffing, he's puffing. He takes his textbooks. He throws it against the wall. Books slam against the wall. I turn around. I'm like, Chris, you okay? He looks me straight in the eye. He says, Juan, I'm fine. <laughs> As he yells that at me, I look on the ground. I notice his cell phone broken in half. I'm thinking, dude, if that's what you do when you're feeling fine, man, let me know when you're feeling awesome. Because yeah, I don't seriously. want stuff near you. <laughs> And I think a lot of people have that mistake. I have to be positive all the time. I think it's not. It's okay to not feel great all the time. I believe it's about having the right attitude. It's when things happen, you say, you know, this is what's happening. You don't make it worse than it is, but you know, you, you see it. You say, you know what? This is how I feel. Acknowledge your feeling. If you're going through a tough time right now, realize it's okay. If you're feeling stressed out because life's not going the way you want it, realize it's okay to be stressed out. Why? Because we're all like soda cans. What happens is we go through life, life shakes us up. The problem is that too many people, they hold in that carbonation inside. And like a soda can, if you keep shaking it up and you don't let that carbonation out, eventually when you open it, it's going to explode. And I believe that happens to many people. So for me, it's about not having a positive attitude. It's realize it's okay if you're going through a tough time. It's okay to be stressed. The key is to acknowledge it. That could be by working out, writing in a journal, talking to a friend. Let that stress outside your body. And then from there, you can decide, well, what can I do now? What needs to happen and work towards that goal? Yeah, man, I think that's such awesome advice. And you also, in, in one of your videos that I saw, you have a another fantastic analogy about changing the station and how, you know, when a song comes on in the car and it's and it's a good song, you turn it up. And if it's a bad song, you have the ability to change the channel. But the thoughts that you have, you know, we, we don't necessarily know that we have the ability to change the channel. I think that's such an incredible analogy. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And, uh, okay, fantastic. So, Juan, what are you most excited about right now? What do you have coming up next that you're absolutely thrilled about? Uh, what do you want to share with the audience? Yeah, personally, I the thing that excites me most is the possibility of what could happen, meaning there's a lot of things going on on my end and things I'm working on endeavors, but what excites me is looking at life and being reminded of what's important. I know for me personally is there's a lot of times I can think about different goals that I have. And it's interesting where I'm just constantly reminded of how fast time goes by. I was having a conversation with my girlfriend last night and as I was talking to her, I was cleaning a room. And as I opened the box, I was opening a box of different things of like memorabilia from my past from I have a little Mickey Mouse stuffed animal since I was like a five-year-old kid. So this Mickey Mouse doll is like 25 years old or I have like a, a medal where when I ran a marathon in Rome, Italy, when I studied abroad, oh, it was wow. back in 2005. And I was thinking, where has the time gone by? And this is crazy. I'm thinking, my gosh, it's so long ago. 
And it was a reminder of me of like, man, am I making the most of life? What is important for me right now? And as a reminder, so for me, I'm just excited about not only my my different endeavors of making an impact in this world, leaving a legacy, but I think about the relationships in my life and what experiences I want to have where I can look back on and smile. So, for example, my my parents mean the world to me, and my dad just recently retired, and I was talking about things where he wanted to go. He wants to travel, and he's always wanted to go to Australia. So for me, one of the things I'm most excited about this year is creating a, a memorable moment. I call it a magical moment. Those are experiences where you remember for a lifetime. It could be a conversation you'd had somebody, a book you read, a challenge that you overcame, anything that leaves a lasting impact. And for me, one of the magical moments that I've made a commitment and decision to create is for my parents this year is on Father's Day, I'm going to surprise my dad and letting him know that I'm going to send my mom and him to Australia for a week so that they can really enjoy themselves. Wow. That is, yeah, that, that is a magical moment for sure. That's absolutely incredible. I think leaving a legacy and, and really, you know, nurturing those relationships. I think a lot of people are caught up in the hustle and bustle of, of trying to, you know, become somebody that they're not, or they're trying to hit this goal or that goal or achieve X, Y, and Z. And ultimately, when you get there, you look back and you 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 have this kind of epiphany, like, "Wow, is that really what I was working so hard for?" I think if if everyone could just take that away from this from this show today, is just like, man, nurture your relationships, do things that are going to leave lasting impressions on the people you care about. I think that's absolutely incredible. So. Juan, we, we've reached the rapid-fire portion of the show. Are you ready to answer some questions? Let's make it happen. Fantastic. So when you think of the word success, who is the first person that comes to mind and why? Mm. When I think of success, I, um, I think about my parents. And the reason why is I think of a, a quote by John Wooden. He's someone I really admire and I could be, I'm paraphrasing his quote, but his quote, success is the definition is it's known that you gave it a hundred percent. You gave it your all. And that's what he pretty much sums it up as you left everything out in the court. And my parents, um, I think about what they have done and created where growing up, even though we didn't have much, I never felt that at all. They always found a made awake at work. They always found a way to, to make it to my sporting events to encourage me, even though you know, they may not big fans of the sports I was involved in, but they came out because they knew how much it meant to me. And they've supported me all throughout my life from an emotional point of view, from support as loving parents. It's It's been incredible. And I think of them where the legacy they've left, an impact on my life and the people around them, it's just remarkable. Man, that is fantastic. They sound like incredible people. Um, so Juan... What one book do you recommend or what one book do you gift the most? Mm. I think the this this book um, that comes to mind is a book that helped me when I was going through a, a really difficult time. And the book is called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Sharma. Fantastic and, book. Yeah, I think it's a great book for the fact that it's it's a it's a book told in a story format and it trickles little learning lessons along the way. And, uh, it has a lasting impact on my life because I was at a very tough point in my life when I read that book. Yeah. Fantastic. I, it really is a super easy to digest book. And for those of you guys listening, I will definitely be linking to that in the show notes. 
So Juan, uh, what one podcast or blog or YouTube channel do you recommend? And it could be more than one. <laughs> well, the interesting thing, Philip, is um, I haven't really listened to, to any podcast lately. I, I mostly listen to audiobooks. Okay. And if I go on YouTube, it's mostly for uh, for like humor to, to watch comedians because I believe when you when you're in a great mood, you can think clearly and you, you have more creative ideas that flow to you than when you're in a negative state. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fantastic. What, who's the the most recent comedian you've been uh, you've been watching a lot of? Yeah, I uh, he, he's an old time favorite. I'm a big fan of Russell Peters. He's a hilarious comedian. He's he's not. It's interesting where he he makes this this metaphor. It's very funny. He said that he I think he's the number three comedian like in all the circuit right now. Wow. But he's not in movies like he's bigger than Kevin Hart. He's bigger than all the well-known ones because he's not in as much movies as them. But he's like, you know, I'm like soccer in America, right? <laughs> soccer is big in the world except America. That's kind of like me. So he's a uh, <laughs> comedian. I'm also a fan of uh, Rebel Wilson. I, uh, <laughs> I, I just think she's absolutely hilarious and pitch perfect. So those are two comedians I uh, enjoy watching. Um, other than that, I mean, just I, I, I'm a big fan of – um, audio books, just for the fact that, I mean, you can listen to while on the road and being a part of Audible, it forced me after a credits up, I just think of other books to buy. So um, that, that's kind of the two sources where I gain knowledge yeah, and fantastic. inspiration. Yeah, that's uh, awesome sources and Audible is definitely uh, uh, a must have for me. That's my, that's what I listen to in the gym and, and uh, in the car as well. So if you had to pick one part of your daily routine to do for the rest of your life, if you couldn't do any other parts, what would that one part be and why? Mm. I think the, the biggest part that I were to keep, if I had one part of my routine, it would be my morning routine. Um, it's It gets me on the right foot and it gives me the right mindset to take on the day. And the metaphor I'll use is think about your cell phones. Oftentimes, Majority of people I talk to, like, oh my gosh, my, my phone's always running out of battery. You know, by the end of the day, it's like on three percent, and because all these, you know, searching the internet, using GPS, all these apps. And I think that's a great metaphor for life. Where oftentimes throughout the day, we have a lot of apps running. Whether it's you know we got to go go do some errands, whether we got to work, we have family to take care of and support. And what happens is all these things will drain your energy throughout the day. And oftentimes I find people, they forget to plug themselves in. And every day I say, you know, you got to make time for yourself. And a lot of people say to me, Juan, I just don't have the time. And my response is, do you make time to brush your teeth every day? And they pause for a second. They say, yes. I said, I hope so. And I say, well, you do it because it's important to you. And you got to make time for you important because it's impossible. If you're operating at 3% where you feel drained every day, if you're operating at 3%, there's no way you can give 100%. So for me, every morning I plug myself in where I go through the routine where I wake up, I sing for about five to seven minutes because I love singing. I jump on my little trampoline, my little bouncer. I then do a little workout. I then think about what I'm grateful for, from my goals in my life, from my eyes that can see, my ears that can hear, from the heart that's beating to keep me alive, to my parents, think about all the people in my life I'm grateful for, the goals I have yet to achieve but that I already see in my mind. I read a devotional with my girlfriend, 
and I'm ready to rock and roll. It's because I'm just plugged up. I'm exceeding 100%. So anything that comes my way, I'm already centered. I'm already ready to rock and roll. Nothing can budge me because I made that time for me first. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's one of the things that we we talk about a lot at the Yield Mastermind Group is morning routines, morning rituals, and I know for me that is the most critical part of my day because you're so right, and I, I've yet to hear that analogy about the cell phone, but it makes total sense. If you're not plugging in and getting yourself ready for the day, you're operating at such a low point, you're not going to be able to give as much as you want to give. I think that's absolutely fantastic. So Juan, where can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah. And uh, if you know people like to learn more about me, you can simply go to my website at juando.com. It's spelled H-O-A-N-D-O.com. Again, H-O-A-N-D-O.com. Learn more about my work, what I'm doing, what I'm about. And also via my website, you can find a way to stay connected with me through social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that goodness. Fantastic. All right, Juan. So we always have our guests uh, end the show with their favorite quote. So what is your favorite quote? <laughs> favorite quote. Totally caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite quote is actually it's a really long one. I think it's hard for me to even remember, but let me do my best to to think it up. But my favorite one is a um it's going to be actually a Mother Teresa quote. Okay. And it's so long that I didn't even memorize it. It's actually, I have it on the screensaver of, of my my cell phone. So if you give me a quick second, yeah, yeah, I'm going to no find problem at all. and read it. I can wait for some Mother Teresa wisdom. <laughs> I promise everyone it's worth the wait. <laughs> all right, you ready? We are ready. We are- all right. So Mother Teresa said, People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may cause, may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and sincere, people will be deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyways. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Wow, that is well worth the wait. Thank you for sharing. Juan, thank you so much for coming on the show. We greatly appreciate it. I've I've personally learned so much from this interview. You've been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Wishing all the Yield members all the best. Yeah, fantastic. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. <laughs>